0: And welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast. This is the real welcome. Don't pay attention to the fake welcome that comes later. As always, I am Nick Cameron of South St. Louis City. I. Uh, this is this is the Sunday. This is the solo portion of the Sunday interview show. Hopefully, you have all been checking out what uh, Keefe Chakas and I have been doing. Sorry about that. I am unprofessional and unprepared. Hopefully you've all been paying attention to what Mr. Chakas and I have been doing on a weekly basis. We, are, we have been timelining Metallica's career of the 90s and only of the 90s. It is the beginning of a long-form series where we're going to take a look at a decade of a band. The last ep- uh, episode three, uh, Thanks a Load Chet, posted yesterday, or I'm sorry, two days ago on Friday, two days ago as you're hearing this yesterday as I'm recording this, and next week on Friday, we have Prepare to Hurt Yourself, which is the final installment of the Metallica 90s, where we discuss at length Garage Days Incorporated, Garage Inc., however you want to refer to it, and S&M. We'll get into all of it. Anyway, so today, as I'm recording this, I am drinking a Bubble Stash Cryo Hops IPA from Hop Valley Brewing Company. Not really familiar with them, but I am willing to try nearly anything once. And maybe it's time for a little bit of a check-in for myself. Hopefully uh, I wasn't too much of a downer last week. It's been a good week for me. My personal life is, is, you know, and I don't I don't ever really want to talk about my personal life too much because when it, what I've always said is if I told people what my life is really like, I I feel like people would start yelling at me for making things up on the internet. And if I told people what my life was really like last year, I feel like I would get the same response. And the last year and a half has been a rough time for all of us and however However, wherever you're getting through this pandemic, this awfulness, hopefully you're you're doing it well and you're going to come out on the other side a little bit better. I think I've actually lost a little bit of weight. A couple of weeks ago, I bought a new pair of cargo shorts because I like to stay cool, but I got a lot of things to carry. And uh, I bought a pair of 36 cargo shorts rather than 38. I was actually quite surprised and today as my daughter and i were walking over to jc optical to get her eyeballs looked at I, I looked down and i'm like huh do my legs seem thinner to you i don't know they seem thinner to me they, they're probably not i'm probably still just as chubby as i ever was but you know it, it feels good and ben of course always well you know before we get to all that business you know want to say thank you to a couple of friends for always being there uh the big one is uh c squared podcast. The c squared podcast is a great one for musicians and if people are looking to gather a following that's a big part of why i pay attention over there. They they have really helped me in, in that instance in in that methodology of getting my brand bigger and bigger cuz it's it's harder to it, it's really hard to pick up and start a blog, it's uh, a podcast, a band, anything it 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 takes to get you know, to get people paying attention. The algorithms on on social media campaign, on the social media websites, are very hard. And it's difficult, you know, when I post something on the Glacially Musical page, which has almost 700 likes. Uh, speaking of which, go to facebook.com slash glacially musical and give me a like if you don't mind. I would really appreciate that. Like and a follow. So you get to find out all this cool stuff before anybody else does. But, you know, on a good day... It goes to 10 people. And frankly, that just kind of blows. But whatever, it is what it is, you know. And uh, the other podcast I want to talk about today is, of course, the Fourth Line Voice podcast. It, You know, last week he had uh, local St. Louis and Cam Jansen on the show. And hearing Cam Jansen speak uncensored versus hearing Cam Jansen's hockey interviews versus hearing Cam Jansen talk about fighting in hockey at uh, my wife one of my wife's uh, office events. Very different things. And he he said quite a bit on that show, which uh yeah, I, I didn't I didn't expect didn't expect all that kind of business. But you know, it, it is what it is. And you know, hearing him talk freely and openly was cool and uh, that is definitely the kind of content you're going to get listening to Darren's show. Darren's a good guy. He sent me a DVD years ago and an l and hockey card, which I kept on my desk at my old job for years upon years until they decided to unceremoniously eliminate my position during a pandemic weeks after my mother died. But I don't mind. <laughs> uh, things actually worked out well for me, so... Uh, I am a little focused on that still, and I wish I wasn't. But you know, it is a pandemic. It's confusing. It is what it is. So I get to do whatever I want, right? But um, as as everybody knows, I'm a big fan of uh, purchasing music on vinyl. A big fan of doing all that kind of stuff. Listening to music on vinyl. I actually just spun one of my newest acquisitions for the second time: Kisses Dynasty, and like I said on Twitter a few minutes ago, that is actually one of the records that really, really shows what listening, listening to records on vinyl really does and how that the music pops so much more. And it took a long time for me personally to understand that the first three or four generations of CD reproduction of analog music really wasn't good. And it it blunted a lot of the music and, a lot of that stuff I actually like better because it sounds better. But, uh, yeah, I got that. And my daughter's actually been out of town for two weeks. She had summer camp, and then she went on a trip with her uncle. And I kind of accidentally walked into finding a My Neighbor Totoro uh, album that's being sold from Toxic Toast Records at Discogs. And uh, hit one small jackpot later and uh, bought that. So very happy about that and i've also uh, today my copy of rush hemispheres arrived i finally get to hear the unrest in the forest on the proper vinyl and you know i've gotten a few other things that i haven't really i don't really know what i mentioned and what i didn't um when i was getting my wife's car inspection today uh i as i i don't know if i've ever mentioned this but i always get my car work done at uh, a local St. Louis chain called Dobbs at their Tesson Ferry location because it's literally next door to a record shop. So when it always takes longer than it does, well, when it always takes longer than it's supposed to, I can head over to the record shop, and that's what I did. My my daughter uh, picked up a copy of John Denver and the Muppets: A Christmas Together. So that's kind of fun. We'll be listening to that this Christmas, of course. We're not going to listen to it before then. And I came home with a copy. Of Molly Cruz "Doctor Feel Good," um, when we taught, when we called my wife to, when we called the wife to let her know what we were doing afterwards, my 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 kid said, "Oh, mommy, I got a record for you," and she told her about that, and I said, "Oh yeah, I got a record for you too," and told her what I bought, and nobody got angry. So, woohoo! If you're if you uh, just happy about that, did it, did it, did it, did it, sweet, 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 and. Let's see, what else have I picked up in the last couple of weeks? Uh, I finally decided to buy a Richard Wright solo album. I've got Wet Dream, got a copy of the Canadian Pressing of that, bought it from a Discog seller in Davenport, Iowa. And uh, my Rush I, my Rush Hemispheres album actually came from Fort Wayne, Indiana. So going back to fourth line voice, he talks to a lot of players in the old UHL, which is a team we had here in St. Louis that I really enjoyed uh, checking out. So... I bought records from two dudes in old UHL cities. So that was cool. My copy of Aerosmith Live bootleg arrived. I got that from uh Goodwill in Seattle, the Seattle Goodwill Discog seller page is a great page. They they don't sell things at Goodwill pricing, so don't be surprised. But they usually sell things for 20 to 30 percent less than than market value i got a copy of black sabbath eternal idol from them for 16 dollars. i got live bootleg for 12 i mean they're they're a good seller a lot of times i think they're cleaning them before they send them out don't quote me on that a couple of weeks ago i got finally got the first album of uh the rossington collins band gonna listen to that actually that's what i'm gonna listen to when i get done with this podcast Uh, But in the meantime, right now, I think we should check out some music. So I'm not talking all the time for you. Uh, Old Man Wizard is a band I've talked about how they're releasing their last album. It's coming out in a couple of months. And it turns out they're actually releasing that sucker on vinyl. So definitely check that out. And you can get a good snippet of what they did right now with. Kill Your Servants, their first single off the album. totally cool song and i definitely hope everybody is checking that one out that is a great great band uh, led by in my humble opinion one of the most talented one of the most talented people out there um, sorry i'm trying to get my notes all together here but yeah that's old man servant old man wizard uh, the title is kill the song is kill your servants the album is kill your servants quietly and that's going to be coming out in november so definitely check that out go to oldmanwizard.bandcamp.com to get uh, all the good stuff there but in the meantime let's talk about what's going on a little bit in the music world the crossover thrash band confused or uh, have released a video called i want a beer well is there anything going on in crossover thrash that doesn't involve beer I'm gonna say that sounds pretty good. Uh, they've also got uh, the ultimate bandcamp, the ultimate bandcamp address. You can check out their new album at uh, confused.bandcamp.com. They're a Texas band. If you're, you know, for fans of MOD, Agnostic Front, and DRI, I think everybody knows pretty well how much uh, I, I really, really dig DRI. Uh, nextmosh.com actually is the one that premiered the video, so you can check it out there. It's probably on their YouTube page as well, but nextmosh.com/confused-i-want-a-beer-video. Uh, definitely check that out. The yeah, the album will be released on August 27th, and the name of the album is Riot. Uh, Looking at their Bandcamp right now, there's going to be a digital version, there's going to be a CD version, and all that kind of, all that cool stuff. Um, When they kick out a new, when they kick out a vinyl version of that, I'll probably going to have to, have to, have to pick that stuff up. Uh, Excuse me one second. Ah, you know... This bubble stash is a bit of a... It's not a hazy IPA, but it's a bit of a dry hopped... They call it cryo hops? I don't know what the hell that is, so... I don't know. But uh, it it is what it is. And uh, friends of the show Blood of Indigo have released a new song. Uh, You might recall they are a band that is doing this. you got to join their mailing list, and they start sending you singles. And the first single we broadcast here, which I don't remember the name... Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry it was a really kick-ass song if you like Dio and Iron Maiden if you ever thought that Dio needed to join Iron Maiden you know that's Blood of Indigo's got you because they're basically doing that but you can get their new song it is called Angelus the Faceless Vampire that's a pretty cool title. Uh, what did Alex say about this? Uh, I wrote the lyrics to this song while I was waiting for the bus and freezing during the brutal Canadian winter. I still remember the frostbite on my fingers while typing the lyrics in my phone with no gloves. That was when I wrote the words, winter never ends. And the, and story began to unfold. This song is about a vampire who's been sentenced to death by execution under the rule of a merciless king. But when things don't go according to plan, Angelus takes matters into his own hands. Blood and destruction await the kingdom of Gander. The The Blood of Indigo storyline is an amazingly fleshed out thing. And uh, you can always go back and check out the episode of the Glacially Musical podcast I did with Alex. And we did a great interview, mostly talking about wrestling and, uh, um, you can, uh, I don't remember if I said this or not, so I'll sit, repeat it to make sure. You can download the song "Angulus," the Faceless Vampire at bloodofindigo.bandcamp.com. So it is totally there, and it is for free, and you can enjoy the holy living crap out of that. Uh, trust me, you will, because they're truly, truly amazing. And let's see, so we talked about that. Oh, uh, Lotharo. Lutharo, this is one of the most interesting things I have heard in a little while. Lutharo is releasing a video teaser of their new single. I'm going to be honest, I don't completely understand this concept, but melodic death metal up-and-comers Lutharo have provided a tantalizing taste of their second single, To Kill or to Crave. Excuse me. Packing punch after punch, it's an incredibly high-energy track. To Kill or To Crave, landing on the 20th of August, follows their first single, Lost in a Soul. Uh, Krista says, Our second single, To Kill or To Crave, will kick your ass. The song has some serious balls, and so does the meaning behind it. Well, you know, I love it when when bands are putting a lot of meaning and personal feeling into their songs, which is pretty freaking awesome. And uh, Krista Shipperbottom is the the lead vocalist of the band. I'll put a link to put a link to the uh the video on the in the description of this of uh, the description of this one so you can check that stuff out. But uh right now I think it's time for another little bit of music. I'm gonna on these solo shows I'm gonna play a little bit of music for of you. Here and there I am going to play right now we're gonna do Oathbreaker by disconnected souls.
1: Face to face, I see that little look in your eye when you lie to me. All our love was a place of animosity. Could we ever go back to what we used to be? Do you remember what I said when you walked away?
2: Will you look back in fondness on our yesterdays? Was it all an act, just a role that you portrayed? Well, I guess you never.
0: And cool. That's a totally cool song. And now, hopefully, the reason why everyone is here, we are going to check in now with one of my personal favorite musicians going right now, Lisa Mann, a.k.a. The White Crone, which she has totally done this the awesome way. She is a working blues musician in the Pacific Northwest, and she has always loved metal, always been into it, and she finally decided to make that metal record, and she totally did, which is freaking awesome. So she she is going to join us here, and I will apologize for the really, really, really uh, terrible. I, I will apologize for the fact that I introduced the podcast again, but you know what? I I, I did what I did, and I'm sorry. But uh, so go ahead and check out the the interview with Lisa, and then uh, on the tail end of that, I am going to play one more single for you. Which is uh, a band, a solo band called Wretched with their new single, Horrific. Thank you very much for listening. I hopefully everybody has already subscribed and reviewed to the show. Thank you very much. Check you next week. And welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast, the podcast that is still working out what in the world it's doing. Today we are joined by White Crone, Lisa Mann, and how are you doing today? Okay.
3: I'm hanging in there, how about you?
0: Today's a day, but uh real life <laughs> stuff I don't think anybody wants to hear about i think i I think I talked about enough real life stuff last week, yeah,
3: yeah, I've kind of had it up to my eyeballs with real life too, but <laughs> yeah' it's just showing up
0: pretty much you know real life is real life it it comes it and it's gonna go, hopefully it stays a while it takes a while for it to go but still coming at you it's still coming at me um right more and just because i can't stop myself just more ridiculous covid crap that i'm just tired of but
3: yeah know, i'm sick of it myself
0: but it is what it is and we move forward and do the best we can uh in the meantime what do yeah you-
3: we'll just be careful and do what we can to keep ourselves and our neighbors safe you know
0: pretty much pretty much yeah But what would you like to discuss this evening?
3: Well, you know, I recently released a uh, a single, a follow-up single. Uh, As you so kindly reviewed last year, I released The Poisoner. That was my debut album and uh that had a song featuring Vinnie Appice on the drums which is so awesome a, by the way yeah i know i pinch myself all the time <laughs> so i had an existing relationship with him from a from a blues album before uh you know he's recorded for me before and i got this idea to record stargazer uh the rainbow classic with dio on the vocals and uh and of course i had to ask Vinny to play the drums on it and there's a blues rock guitar player that I know uh he was in my uh, he was in the same band my husband was in my husband plays bass for Sugar Ray Rayford a Grammy nominated soul artist and Alistair Green was playing and uh I went over to Europe and hung out with the band and you know sang some backups with him and stuff and uh Alistair and I we share a love of classic hard rock and metal and so we had long been saying we got to do something together you know and so when I decided to do the stargazer thing I was like Alistair you have to play this uh
0: real quick because I like to (laughs) meander the name Alistair is my favorite Scottish name which uh, I when my when my wife and I were pregnant if it were a boy I was fighting for the name (laughs) Alistair Yes, I lost that fight, something fierce.
3: <laughs> it is a cool name. I agree. That's right. So I think the, I think the track turned out great. I'm happy with it. I really liked old uh, buddy of mine Eric Lawrence that I was in a band with as a teenager. He played he plays like kind of a prog he's he's kind of a prog oriented uh, keyboard player. So I asked him to be on it too. So yeah, I'm re- I'm really happy with how it turned out, and um, I'm hoping people will will enjoy all nine minutes of it because it's it's a long track.
0: <laughs> it, it is a long track. It's a long track. It's very good. It's very powerful, and hopefully, everybody within the sound of my voice right now heard it last week because I shared it because I after last week's kind of outburst of mine, uh, I figured I needed some things to uh, kind of smooth it over. So. Uh, yeah. I, I chose one of your tracks as something to smooth over my anger, so I think that's a good thing. I, however, you want to look at that. I find it really interesting our dichotomy because you got into metal after being into blues. Whereas,
3: Actually,
0: no. Oh, well, there goes the whole thing. I was going to. There say. goes
3: the whole thing, man.
0: Because I went backwards. I got. I got into. A I
3: grew up in mosh pits. I mean, I was at concerts as a teenager just every weekend.
0: Okay, let I'm, me rephrase. I oh, like yeah. our similarity about how we were both into metal and got into blues later.
3: There you go. That's <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> what a lot of people don't know and I'm going to go to my grave fighting this is that metal is not a subgenre of rock but it's a subgenre of blues. Cuz that's oh, where now it's that's
3: sta- interesting.
0: That's where it started. Black Sabbath started off as a straight English blues band. That's right. And they just and they just took that they were a second generation English blues band, and every time you go one generation to the next, obviously it filters into something new. And that's what they come that's what they came up with. That's right. Deep purple, very bluesy, you know. There the lot of right? the I remember reading um Buddy Guy's book and he was talking to one of his buddies, junior Junior Wells. Junior Wells, yeah, Junior Wells, Junior Wells. I, I think it was Junior Wells who had gone to England and hung out with the Yardbirds and Eric Clapton yeah. and all those. And he he yeah. talks to Buddy and he says, "Man, these English guys love the blues bad, and they play it bad." <laughs> you know what? I ha- I hate to
3: say it, in some in some cases that that was true.
0: No, it's completely but, true. It is one hundred percent true because yeah. what they did was not blues. No, was, I
3: mean they, it was they English blues. They straightened it out. It was English blues. And what's interesting is is that you know the English, and you know the just Europeans in general are uh, they tend to get more music education as children, and they tend to be more educated about classical music, and so they started injecting the the blues rock bands that became like the acid rock bands, you know, that became like. Uh, you know, like Black Sabbath and like Deep Purple and Uriah Heap and those bands, they injected all this classical music in there. And then as metal progressed, the blues got stripped out of it. Yep. But still, it still doesn't change the history.
0: Correct. It
3: doesn't change the history. So I really appreciate the fact that you appreciate the fact that the blues was the birthplace. I mean, like Pat Hare, his... His guitar playing, he was a blues guitarist who added distortion to his sound. And he was the first guitar player to deliberately add distortion to his sound. And then Not the there, kinks. Not, not the kinks, exactly. So these the, all those early Cats men, they were into people like Pat Hare. And, uh, and you know, you listen to Howlin' Wolf's voice and his growl. And how, you know, people like John Kay of Steppenwolf emulated that growl. And then rock singers after that emulated John Kay. So it just got it just got passed on and kind of warped and changed. And
0: it's all and the the blues went from I mean it's you know, obviously jazz uh, you know, traditional ballads spawn something, spawn something, spawn something, spawn jazz. Jazz spawn blues or jazz spawned, spawned bebop. Bebop spawned blues. Blues spawned 18 other different things. And every rock band in the world has a song called Something Blues. I mean, That's
2: true. <laughs> think about it.
0: Summertime Blues, Walking uh-huh. the Dog Blues. I mean, you look at ACDC and they're blues based. You look at Kiss. Yeah. He's freely, although he did it very poorly and I still love him was a blues bass guitarist. Every, you know, half of his solos end with the turnaround chords, 12 bar blues. I don't know that he knows that's what he's doing, but he does it. And rock and metal are are siblings, maybe even cousins. They're not, they're not, it's not father and son, but that's my soapbox. I'm going to die on that soapbox. And about eight other people are going to go, that guy gets it. And that's it. (laughs)
3: well i'll be one of those eight people how about
0: i appreciate that i appreciate that (laughs) but when you look at a lot of older blues it's it is it's much heavier than the rock and roll of the time of the rock of the time Mm -hmm. you know buddy guy when he played he didn't get it buddy guy and i would even say albert king sorry didn't get it right in the studio because nobody a lot of times the distortion and the fuzz was an accident It was a byproduct of not having a big enough amp. Yeah. And then once they figured out, oh, people like that, that changed the entire world. The world was a very different place after that. And then Hendrix was like, all bets are off. Hendrix, we are lucky that Jimi Hendrix met Eddie Kramer, I think.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: Eddie Kramer, I know some people want to call him a producer, and this is not an insult by any stretch, but I've never viewed him that way. I have viewed him as the world's most amazing sound engineer. He is able to record beautifully. He is able to, you can describe a sound to him and he will dial, dial, dial and give it to you. But he's not going to be there coaching you on your songs and telling you no. Mm -hmm. I know this because I've heard the Kiss records he produced and they have songs like Baby Driver on them. (laughs) For the record, I'm a huge KISS fan. Love them. Me too. But I also respect the fact that a good half of what they did probably shouldn't have ever been recorded.
3: Baby Drive, go, baby
0: drive. Oh, don't do that. Then, <laughs> I know a lot of KISS fans love love rock and roll over, but I can't stand that album. Oh wow, dude, really? Mr. I Speed?
3: Come on, man. Well, oh, that
0: song is terrible.
3: Mr. Speed kicks ass. Kicks the
0: ass of a wounded baby, maybe.
3: (laughs) I love this to speak. And
0: then take me and love them and leave them.
3: Yeah. Hey, but it's got cowbell in it. Come on. Come on, man.
0: Look, I love the cowbell, but nobody did it as well (laughs) as BOC. Let's call BOC. And you know what? No, no. I take that back. Twisted Sister on We're Not Gonna Take It. That was a great cowbell.
3: That was that was a well recorded cowbell.
0: It really was. A it well
3: tuned cowbell.
0: If I didn't know better, I'd swear they overdubbed it because it was so perfect. I, I, it was I... a, bo- a, a boutique cowbell. <laughs> it was an artisanal <laughs> cowbell yeah. recorded by a professional from the old country. <laughs> yes. But what now, when we talk about blues, one yeah. of the things that I really like. And that wasn't necessarily what I meant to talk about, but I like this thread because I get to talk about some people that I know that not enough people, I think, know. Are you familiar with James Legg? James Legg? I'm not sure. Uh, Black Diamond Heavies?
3: You know, I don't think so.
0: Okay. The Black Diamond Heavies. You know,
3: I have to admit, first, let me put this disclaimer. I am the unfrozen cavewoman of metal.
0: Oh, nobody knows these people. It's fine.
3: There's all this long history of stuff that I just don't know.
0: I saw, I I first came across them in 2008 because the Black Diamond Heavies were opening up for Exine Cervanca's original Mm. Sinners, not even X or uh, her her solo career, which is amazing, at a Camel cigarette show at a brewery upstairs. Mm. It was a $3 cover and they gave you two packs of smokes. So
3: <laughs>
2: it
0: was a very, very prestigious gig to be a part of.
3: Oh, yes. Indeed. But,
0: um I didn't know what to expect. And I remember going in, going up to the bar to get a beer and thinking, wow, this is kind of a heavy, groovy, kind of almost metal kind of band. That's not that's really surprising. Let me go up front and see what kind of gear they have. Let me see what the guitar mm-hmm. players rocking. And I get closer and I'm like, oh, there's only two of them and they're both sitting down the hell's going on the singer james leg who at the time was going by john wesley myers so he mm. decided to in in midstream change his name which is never a good plan but what he plays is he plays a fender Rhodes electric piano through marshall stacks and distortion pedals
3: that's badass
0: with a uh, uh a keyboard bass like rayman zarek used that Sweet. And it's, it's just probably the coolest sound I've ever heard. And he does, he does blues, he oh. does soul, he does rock. He's released, uh, there were two Black Diamond heavies albums and he's done three solo records since then. I'm gonna have to check that out. Now, the reason why nobody knows who the hell he is is because he, I don't even know if he's on a label right now, but he was on a label owned by a record store. So very prestigious label. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there is also, are you familiar with uh, T-Model Ford?
3: Yes, vaguely.
0: He's an interesting cat because he started playing guitar in his 70s mm-hmm. when his fifth ex-wife bought him a guitar for a divorce present. Fifth ex-wife? Fifth ex-wife. So he's like Jaja Gabor. Well, he was. <laughs> and then for the next 20 years, he recorded and played all over the world. Wow. So I'm getting up there in years and I haven't recorded an album yet, but he gives me hope. I still got 30, I guess I got 25 years before I got to get serious.
3: That's right. Well, you know, here's my philosophy on being productive when you're a person of a certain age as I am. Uh, You think about all these uh, heroes that died young, you know, that made a lot of records or their records made a big impact and all these rock stars that died at age 27 they had this brief window, maybe a 10-year window of time when they were creating music. So even if I drop dead 10 years from now, I still have that many years to try to create something interesting. So, you know, this idea of, oh, you're too old. I mean, that, that was a big part of wondering whether I should release the poisoner was uh, whether I should do this white grown thing was, you know, am I too old to do this? And, but then it's kind of like, well, you know, why not (laughs) do it now? Do it now.
0: Completely agree. And, you know, we're, I like to believe that I'm living longer. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not going to live longer. Hope I can live as long as my grandfather. He made it to his nineties. So rooting for that, but Actually, no, that's not true. He made it to late, late 80s. But anyway, rooting for that. But yeah, even if we're not living longer, we're living better. That's right. I mean, look at people like Bruce Dickinson, man. He's like flying through the
3: air. He had cancer, he got a hip replacement, and he's just he's not stopping. Correct. The guy is unstoppable.
0: Well, and I'm noticing that you know, a lot of the shows I go to are skewing older, the crowds are getting older. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I that's good because I feel at home, but it's bad because are are the younger people getting into this? But music is the music industry has changed for in some ways, the better, in some ways, the worse for fans. I think it's changed for the better, except for yeah. the fact that it's much harder to find new music because I can go see anybody I love in a club. You know, John Five is playing here in two weeks and wow. I can see him in a club the size of my bedroom. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which I've done. I've seen him there before. Well, I hope he's
3: making some money. That's all I can say because he's super talented.
0: uh, He charges $25 to get a Polaroid with him after the show. I think he's fine. Yeah. Which I think is ridiculous. Meet
3: meet and greets, though. I'm telling you, some of these guys, it costs so much to tour. You got to pay a manager. You got to pay, you know, uh, the booking agent. Uh, it, It just, there's always, these guys always have some. You know, leech attached to them. I mean, these are people who are doing work that the artist doesn't have to do, but there's always somebody taking 15% here and 10% there. And it's like, in order to make these tours worth it, they have to do meet and greets now. So I I get it. I get it. I I don't blame them. I I don't blame them. I think, frankly, it sounds exhausting to me.
0: Well, I know at one time he was doing a meet and greet that had a $500 tier. But for that $500, he gave you a guitar.
3: Well, okay, that's cool.
0: Not, I, not, I don't think it was, was one it of the ones.
3: Was, was it a $200 guitar?
0: Probably. I, th- <laughs> I, th- I think it was a $200 guitar that he got at cost. because yeah. it, was, it was one of his signature models. But, you know, oh, as okay. when you get to his stature, of course, you've got, what, four versions of the signature models going from yeah. the GP. So it, it, it's, you know, signature and name only up yeah. to nice, up to what kind of what he plays, up to the real one that he has. Yeah. Well, you know,
3: uh, it might be cheesy, but I admire his hustle.
0: You know, he, this is a guy that, it, it, he probably is the most respectful person, the person to most be admired and looked up to in the music industry. He had a goal. His goal in life was to be the number one session musician in Los Angeles.
2: Hmm.
0: That was what he wanted. He did that. He's worked with Rob Halford. He's worked with Rob Zombie. He's worked yeah. with David Lee Roth, Leonard yeah. Skinner, Katie Lang, Meatloaf. He's worked with everyone. Katie wow. Lang. I think it was just like a song or maybe like a tour. Yeah, but I mean, still, it Yeah, but he, he wow. claims her. And on top of that, he's writing and recording with Rob Zombie, has been for like 10 years. And yeah. he's putting out solo albums all the time.
2: Yeah.
0: He's, he's getting it done and he's making, he's making a life out of it. And so, yeah, when you say admire his hustle, I admire everything he put in and he's smart about it and Mm
2: -hmm.
0: he's doing it right. That's right. But let's talk about you for a little bit rather than just me rambling on. Uh, I apologize that I didn't come up with a topic. It's been a long week and normally I have one, but I don't today. Well, Uh I mean, normally, as in since the first last show I did, but. So do you have an album coming out? I don't even know. I should know that. I should know the answer to this question.
3: No, well, the thing is, yeah, Stargazer is a single, it's a standalone. So this isn't like, okay, I'm dropping a single for a new album. Okay. I have five songs, six songs in skeletal form that will constitute the next White Crone album. They are gathering dust in my daw as we speak. Uh, but, you know, as you know, you know, my name is Lisa Mann. I am a uh, blues bass player, band leader, uh, singer, songwriter, and that's my main job. And so I've I re- released an Americana EP called Old Girl uh, this year or just last year, actually, and kind of still promoting that. I'm, I'm doing some Americana AAA radio promotions I'm working on some of that right now plus i'm you know promoting stargazer at the same time so i'm kind of working on two tracks and uh so eventually i will get back to flushing out these songs because like i said they just kind of existed i know what the big picture is but i need to get i call them the the knees and the elbows i need
0: to get well, how many You said call. it was five songs six
3: songs five songs and i have the kind of bare bones of a sixth sixth song. Well, and song. you've
0: got Stargazer, like, which is nine minutes. So that's half a side right minutes. there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I got one of these songs is a seven minute, minute
0: epic. Okay, so you've got one nine minute, you got a seven minute. All you got to do is crack a three and a half minute. There's side one.
3: There's side one already. Yeah. So, you know, I will eventually get to it. Um, my issue is right now I need to get back to teaching myself Guitar. I played guitar on most of the Poisoner, on uh, on all the songs except two, where I had Mady Farjami, former Glacier guitar player, come in and do some actual, real good, real good guitar solos. And uh, but I have I a need friend to that does that. You playing actual guitar, the tiny strings, um, because I'm a bass player. I've been a bass player since I was 11 years old, and those damn tiny strings. I you know well
0: I can uh, see your I can see your bass club tattoo. Oh
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah So I gotta get back into that. That's actually
0: something I was gonna ask you about. How yeah. you write. So if you're doing when you're writing as White Crone, I'm yes. assuming you're writing on guitar, not on not on no, the bass guitar. I do not write
3: on an instrument. Okay. I do not write on an instrument. There may be some sections of songs that are riffs that I generated by screwing around on the bass. Okay. So there may be some of that, but for the most part, I think Bach taught his students the same thing. Don't compose on the organ. Hear it in your head first and then execute it on your instrument. Because so, Mike,
0: Mike Watt talked about how he would not yeah. write on the bass even yeah. for his solo albums. Because if he wrote on the bass it was a bass heavy album and that's never what he wanted. So he'd write, he'd write simple chords on the guitar, figure out the bass and then have somebody finish it up.
3: No, I, my method is, you know, it sounds kind of corny, but I I let things write themselves. And so basically the the whole process for writing The Poisoner started with my, with me hearing melodies in my head. And then I would sing them into my phone because I got this little recording app. So say I'd be driving down the road and I would hear something in my head or taking a walk or I'm taking a shower and I'd have to jump out of the shower and sing something into my phone. Sometimes it's a bass line. Sometimes it's a guitar line. Sometimes usually it would start with like a vocal line. It would be a verse, a chorus, a hook, something like that. But I would hear something in my head, sing it into the app. Later on, as things started fleshing out, I went to my, uh, home recording studio and just started sketching things out as things started progressing. And I noticed, okay, these songs, are, these are turning into actual songs, start to finish bridge, all this stuff. I'm hearing drum parts in my head. And then I, that's when I purchased a, a, an E drum kit. I purchased a seven string guitar, and then I started doing pre-production at home. But really the process is driven by what do I hear in my head?
0: I love that you bought a seven-string guitar, not a six-string, yes. but a seven-string.
3: I have to keep up with the six-string bass. That's why.
0: Oh, fair enough.
3: <laughs> I got a low B on my bass, man. Oh,
0: gotcha. I have a low B on my guitar too. Well, you could do what Steve Vai did because on he's like credited for playing the seven-string all the time, but like half of the time he's just detuned his his six-string. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, That's I only come Avatar. out in the last like 10 years.
3: Avatar, they they tune everything to B. It's a six string, but it's tuned
0: B to B. And
3: That's they've nice. got a unique tone. Yeah, really unique sound.
0: I was trying to get with a guy years ago to get a, get a band started, and he tuned down to drop B in like 1996. Yeah. I think he was the only was cool. guy at that time doing it but it was he. he was I'm sure some cat.
3: Swedes were doing it at the time
0: well probably but, no, but I don't think anybody in America was because he. I remember his ad it said beware I tune low and I'm like <laughs> okay fine C sharp no big deal well, no it was not C sharp <laughs> he was an interesting guy didn't work yeah. out because lots of reasons that I won't go into because I don't want to be mean to him but that's besides the point. We are almost out of time. So what do we need to know that we haven't talked about?
3: Oh, we need to talk about the band splintered throne. Okay, go ahead. Yes. This is a band from Portland that I kind of accidentally ran into. They uh, have done some opening slots for major acts that came through Portland, like uh, Flotsam and Jetsam, the last in line, um, and so I would catch this band and I'd go, oh, right on, Splintered Throne is opening, man. They're badass, you know? And I bought their CD and talked to the band and uh, got them to sign the CD. And, and then I caught them at a show and they, the, the, the singer announced that he was leaving. This is in 2019. The singer announced he was leaving. And so the friend that was with me she elbows me in the ribs Just says, go talk to him, go talk to him. And so I did afterward and they said, well, we're having auditions. So I auditioned and they said, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we've been working together through the pandemic. It's been a pain in the ass writing songs. Um, and there's been a lot of, uh, delays that are, you know, not all pandemic related, but, uh, uh, we are working on an album. We have a lot of great songs. Um, and I'm really excited about it. I, I I'll just be singing with them. This is, a, you know, a band just needed a singer. And, uh, so look for an album from, uh, splintered throne.
0: Very cool. Make sure that's on my radar.
3: Yes, I, I absolutely will.
0: Cause I forget everything now. Um, Oh, me too.
3: So. I don't remember anything about anything.
0: But I'm sure you'll remember this. I've actually got a similar story about a band that I know. My my, let's talk quickly, briefly about my my friend Danny's band, Torchlight Parade. Yes. If you go to a metal show in St. Louis. You've probably seen them.
1: Everyone ah. I know that
0: goes to metal because they've opened for Metal Church. They've opened up for Wasp. They've opened up for um, God. Uh, Alice Cooper's Daughters Band. They've opened up for wow. Gilby Clark. They, every time they need a local opener for, for an aging metal band, they get them. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for some Judas Priest-inspired power metal, very cool. good. Band. Right and on. I was so happy they put out their album last year on vinyl. So uh, Yeah. A great pressing, I might add.
3: Yeah, we may do the same.
0: I'm hoping... Because the the sales of, of vinyl is continually climbing and continually yeah. going up, I'm hoping they start opening up pressing plants. Yeah. No, when I started buying records, there were no American pressing plants. Yeah. And now there's at least two that I'm aware of.
3: Yeah. So. Well, the Poisoner was too long to put on vinyl.
0: Oh, gotcha.
3: Yeah, that was the issue with that.
0: I understand it's also frighteningly expensive. I tried to finance that for a friend of mine, and I yeah, it's rough. And I looked at that and went, how many do you think we're going to sell?
3: <laughs>
0: He's like, I don't know. Uh, how much do you want to put in? I lost a lot of money on this already. Yeah, you got to so... crowdfund crowd it. Yeah, he, he did his new album, though, I'm, I'm happy to say, is coming out on vinyl. And I'm also happy to say that I had nothing to do with financing it, but I did pre-order. It. <laughs> but with that, I will say we are now pretty much out of time. And I thank you very much for taking some time for my ridiculousness. And I will put a link to. <coughs> Excuse me. I apologize for that. Uh... Something jumped down your throat, man. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, I like. The cat's over there, so it's not her hair. But now that I can't talk, I will say thank you, you for can doing this. Blame it on the cat. <clears throat> it's my wife's cat. I'll blame it on her. But if, Thank you very much for for joining me, and I will put links to both Lisa Mann and White Crone in the description, and we will talk again soon, I am sure.
3: Awesome. Thank right. you so much, man. You have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye.
1: Composition. Overliving. Simplification. prison. Composition. Inhibition. Too ambitious. It's out of me. Get in me. Never learning, never learning, nor discerning, freedom burning, leaders burning. hate discerning, higher learning, what's behind, evil mind, exterminate, you'll be trying! It's on a day, me! It's on day, me! It's It's day, never free! <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> A million years of evolution Still they cannot Billions of lies All under the night They forever